Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner... Bill Murray, Harold Ramis and director Ivan Reitman's sophomore effort sees them get some pre-Ghostbusters training in as they sign up for the army in 1981's Stripes. While in the blue corner, the movie that spawned many, many sequels, it's time to watch the genesis of Mahoney, Hightower, Hooks, Tackleberry and some of the others who weren't invited back slash got out immediately. It's 1984's Police Academy. You're a bum, and that's all you'll ever be, a bum! Are you stuck in a dead-end job? Personal problems got you down. You can't go! All the plants are gonna die! I've lost my job, my apartment, my car, and my girlfriend. Well, the Army can turn your life around. Oh, I knew it. She was walking next to me. Singing to what did it, did it, did Crime. The city was full of it. Hey! Three TVs! Desperate measures were needed. Want you to go to the police academy. The police academy is such a dangerous place. Honey, don't worry. Desperate measures were taken. I'm joining the police force! Show it's Stripes versus Police Academy in today's fight to the death. Let battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Clash Potters, you can't leave. All the plants will die. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. And that is your lot today. Uh, Victoria V is uh, away today. She is being taken up the shard. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, all day, I believe. All day. All day. So this pairing, however, Vicky's choices. And we're just going to have to guess at why. Yeah. She loves these movies so very much. Yeah, because they, they're they sort of sexist, they're mm. misogynist, they're homophobic, they're a bit racist. Vicky, <laughs> why have you picked them? She was chomping at the bit to do these <laughs> and yet can't be here to go through them. It's such a shame. But while the cat's away. Oh, how many shower scenes can we talk about? <laughs> A lot, um, a lot, and it's not our choice. They're actually in the films. So, the clue Chris gave you on last week's show on Vicky's behalf was... Uh, slobs v Snobs. You followed it up on Twitter with... What did I do? So, I had a, a gif of um, Eric Cartman yep. in South Park. I said, it's not South Park, but it's him when he became an authority figure with a badge and bossed everyone around. Mm. He's sort of this rebellious character who becomes... Respect the- Exactly. Yeah. Terrific clue. 
great clue. And then and then no one got it. No, no one got one, it. No one got it. After the second clue. So you, you did everyone a favour. You're a good guy. Yeah. You uploaded a third clue. Third clue. A gif or a gif um, of a gif. the village people. And I made the point of saying that two, two of our films are represented in this image, mm. uh, because obviously there's a there's a traffic cop and there is a soldier. Mm. I thought it was a great clue, Chris. Thank you, Alex. I thought it was a great clue. And the guesses were recruited to our Twitter at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram at ClashPod. Ooh, not a lot of good news. Uh, we had a few Police Academy guesses from Danny Bake and Rich Cracknell. Uh, they went with Police Academy versus Super Troopers. Uh, Russell went with Police Academy versus Wayne's World. Ian Robson, Police Academy and Old School. And then, just nine hours ago, when I thought no one was going to get it and Chris's theory was going to be proved wrong that his clues always led to one correct guess. <laughs> That's not what I've said. <laughs> I've never claimed that. <laughs> Who should appear but Juan Cominguez? Uh, he just... This is, this is an amazing story. He got Police Academy versus Stripes. This is his first ever tweet to us. Wow. I'm a little suspicious, I'll I'll be honest, because uh, he lives in Texas. He doesn't follow us on Twitter. That's weird. He claims, and indeed he follows through on his Twitter, he mainly tweets about politics and football. And I guess this is me leading up to the the question. So let me ask you uh, this. How does it feel to have cheated, Chris, or should I say Juan? Juan. (laughs) You are Juan, aren't you? It's one of your burner accounts. No. You wanted to do, so desperately prove that your clues <laughs> worked that you created a Juan Cominguez burner account and you put that clue in. I think it's Vicky. I think Vicky felt bad that we this section was going to be awkward and I think she went to Texas and set up an account <laughs> uh, and that's why she's not here. <sighs> I still think you're Juan. And if I call you Juan a lot more, remember this moment. This is the genesis Juan. You can call me that Juan more time. (laughs) Right then, on Thursday, uh, Chris and I will be humming one of the catchiest movie scores in the history of cinema with Police Academy, which means today I'm in the army now with stripes. Let me take you on a journey. John and Russell are two listless 20-somethings who have been convinced by an army recruitment advert that the military is going to give them some direction. So they sign up, go through training, watch some sexy mud wrestling, steal an armoured RV, invade Czechoslovakia, escape Czechoslovakia, come home heroes in the end. P.S. Where are the jokes? Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, Stripes. I'm being a bit cruel. There are jokes. There are jokes. Mm. I mean, I'll start. So my history with this movie. Actually, shit, we didn't do the connection section. I know. I thought we'll save it for... I wrote it down. Let's do it at the start of episode two. Do you want to do it at the start of episode two? Yeah. Or do you want to do it now? All right, we'll do it at the start of episode two. There are some great connections. No, let's do it now. Okay. Let's do it now. So I'll start watching girls showering a lot. Yes. Um, uh, uh, head shaving. Mm, good. Cadets thrust into a real-world scenario mm. for the climax. Yeah, yeah. It's a, re- it's a rescue mission both times, actually. Mm. Um, no bras. Yeah, I've written a party night with exposed breasticles. Uh, gay panic. Yeah. A lead who, despite offering no evidence as to why, is 100% irresistible to a lady. Uh, people getting hit in the crotch. Uh, composer Robert Folk based the main Police Academy theme on the theme from Stripes. Is that right? Mm. They're both terrific orchestral themes, aren't they? One of them is better than the other. But I wrote down bombastic orchestral theme tunes that are better than the movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's me done. Uh, Parades over the closing credits. True. Um, And John Candy. Uh, oh, go a, on. This is interesting. Here's a fun fact. The actor who plays uh, Leslie Barbara in uh, in Police Academy. Mm, Donovan something, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ended up playing the John Candy character in Splash 2. Really? Yeah, which I've seen. Not good. Oh, my God. Mm. I've got a really interesting Splash story coming up in this episode. Ah, yeah. I've got a Splash story coming up in Thursday's episode. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that one, though. No. It's a brand new one. Yeah. All right. right. A lot of fun. All right. Let's get back to where we were. Um, Yeah. You were talking about uh, when you first saw it. Yeah. 
So I think I managed about half of this as a child, a young child. So I'd seen Ghostbusters by the time I saw this. And so little kid me did not understand why I was watching Bill Murray in a film that wasn't funny. And so I got about halfway through and I turned it off. So for all intents and purposes, this watch this week is my first watch. Okay. I must have been a bit older than you then. I would say it's probably about 12 or 13, mm. maybe, when I was... Excuse me, when I was going through a phase of trying to watch every single Bill Murray movie. Okay. And Did you um, do it? Did you do the Razor's Edge? I did not see Razor's Edge when I was a kid. There's two or three that I didn't I didn't get around to. Um or I couldn't find actually. It was hard to, hard to get access to some of those films. Of course. Um but yeah, and I thought it was fine. It was quite funny, but um never never thought to revisit it. But it's made me think of a film I do have a story about, which is the film that they first made, which was Meatballs. Mm. And I've uh, never seen Meatballs. When I was a little bit younger, I remember going through and saying, ah, it was when I got... Sorry, I haven't written this down. I just thought of it. It was when I was getting videos out from the library. Uh-huh. And the library had a copy of Meatballs. And I asked my parents if I could rent it because it was a 15 and I was I was nine or 10. You wonder why all the libraries have shut. <laughs> because they were handing out copies of Meatballs to children. <laughs> it's quite strange. And so they rented it for me and I watched it with my parents. And I can remember after three minutes, they switched it off. <laughs> <laughs> all the kids show up at camp and they're in a dormitory. And I think the girls are talking about periods and the boys are talking about erections. <laughs> and my mum and dad were like, nope. <laughs> I had exactly the same thing with uh, something that was, uh, to my mind, even more pornographic uh, uh, in nature than a lot of these frat boy comedies. A movie called Up the Creek uh, that had a very funny cover that my dad rented and that I was allowed to sit in and watch because it was ostensibly a comedy. So many boobs. Yeah. Confusing for a young boy. I remember that from when you told that story last time. But um, (laughs) I've got four stories. (laughs) That is one of them. Enjoy. Breathe it in. The thing is, I watched Meatballs about 10 years ago for the first time uh, properly and it's really sweet. Like there's a there's a couple of sex jokes, but it's actually a really sweet movie that would have been fine for an eight year old. Okay, but, yeah. I Best. mean, would it though? We can talk. I would have, I would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> At eight? Do you really understand? I think I was more scared. I was like, "Why has she got no top on? What's wrong with her?" Yeah, but the kids, the main kid was only about twelve, so it was like it was almost my age group, and yeah. so it was like, yeah, it was great. Anyway, stripes. Well, we can talk about why a lot of comedies from the eighties um, have so much nudity in uh, a little bit later in this episode. But I'll tell you a bit about this film, first of all. So director Ivan Reitman came up with the idea for Stripes on the day of the premiere of, funnily enough, Connection, Meatballs. And he decided that he wanted to make a stoner comedy called Cheech and Chong Join the Army. And he was going to give it to Cheech and Chong. Their first movie had come out, Up in Smoke, been a hit. And so he was all prepared to make a Cheech and Chong movie. I'm going to come... Clean. I've never ever seen a Cheech and Chong movie. Watched them when I was a kid, did not understand them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. So Cheech and Chong were interested, Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin, and uh, they wanted to do it, but they demanded total creative control. And on top of that, this is the icing on the proverbial cake as to why this movie didn't happen. Their manager insisted on a 25% share of Ivan Reitman's next five films, which understandably, Reitman was like, oh, okay, no, Mm, uh, no. I'm I'm going to make Ghostbusters. (laughs) So uh, Reitman then spoke to his uh, screenwriter, Dan Goldberg, and said, change change, change his characters. No, no, Cheech and Chong. I want Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. And the reason they wanted Harold Ramis was because they figured he could do a polish on the script, be in it, and if he was in it, he'd convince the already difficult to convince Bill Murray to be in it. Not true, because if you listen to the commentary, I've read that story, if you listen to the commentary, uh, Ivan Reitman says that it was Bill that wanted Harold in the movie because he said that he always felt guilty uh, that he got on Saturday Night Live and Harold Ramis didn't. And so he brought Harold Ramis along rather than them getting Harold to get Bill along. Interesting. Mm. So I sort of read a different version of that story. Obviously, that's from the horse's mouth. So that's true. Yeah. But uh, it was my understanding that when Columbia, the studio, basically uh, Ramis auditioned for the film Mm. and they were like, we don't like him. He's terrible. He's a great writer, but Mm. uh, we don't want him in the movie. And Harold Ramis heard about this and was like, fine, I do not want to be in a movie that you don't want me in. And they started looking at alternatives for him, including Dennis Quaid, who auditioned uh, partially, as I understand it, at Ramis's request. And he's married to PJ Souls as well. Of course, of course. And... uh, 
and then it was Bill, which comes back around to your story, where Bill wanted someone to improv with as well, because obviously Dennis Quaid wasn't going to be any good at improv, I don't imagine, I don't know, but he wanted someone who he could like do his riffing with, yeah. and Ramis would do that. Sure, and I don't think how Ramis is a particularly good actor. I don't think oh he's very God, good. Oh my God, no. He's not good in this, but you, you feel their friendship, you feel their history, and it's fine. No, Columbia were right. Yeah. Uh, we, we can cut to the chase. However, um, if, we, if he hadn't been in this we would never have got Egon Spengler. Mm. So I am totally down with him being in this because it gave us Egon. And it is so strange because I watch him as Egon and it's like, it's brilliant. Mm. I don't watch that and go, that's not a good performance. And mm. it's it's a brilliant performance, mm. but only in that character. As Russell here, it's like, oh, I don't know what you are. No. But we can talk about that because I have, I have issues um, mainly with the script, but that's to come. That's to come. So uh, the only other big thing to talk about with Stripes is the military in the Americas. The Americas? In America. (laughs) In the America. The one, the famous one, the USA. The army loved it. They loved this script and they were falling over themselves to give the production access to Fort Knox, where they filmed use of their military personnel as extras, use of as much equipment as they could get their hands on. And Ivan Reitman says he is still Mm. amazed at how much access the military got him because he's asked for movies before this and after this, and they've gone, absolutely not. Yeah, only time they said yes to him. Yeah, Judge Reinhold calls it astounding that Mm. they let him shoot this film there because... um, uh, Private Benjamin came out a few months before this and there was a lot of crossover, but the military did not want Private Benjamin anywhere near them, mm. um, which I think portrays the military in a much more positive light than Stripes does. But The only bit that I can sort of go, oh, I wonder if they got there and why we love this, is Bill Murray's motivational speech just before training when he says, well, it's that... It's that, it's that very, very pro-American line. He goes, we're soldiers, but we're American soldiers. We've been kicking ass for 200 years. We're 10 and 1. We don't have to worry about whether or not we practised. You read that, and if you're in the army, like, yes, please. Yeah, but I think you've just said um, the best joke in the film, which completely undermines what he said. Yeah, I've, yeah. They just lost Vietnam. We're 10 and 1. <laughs> that's, a, that's a massive thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Ultimately, perhaps it just boils down to this idea of like the army wants to recruit people and these guys are a little bit lost at the start and they use the actual army recruitment video. They were allowed to use that. That's over the opening titles. And, you know, it works. It worked. And it worked because army army recruitment did go up after this film. And you've got Bill Murray literally saying, I want you on the poster. Yeah. That's a recruitment tool in itself. Yeah. 10% more people decided to join the army after watching Stripes. Insane. So uh, that's about it for backstory, unless you've got anything you'd like to add. Let's get into this. Right, all right, let's do this. So, as I said, we've got the army recruitment video. John Winger, that's a, in my opinion, a proto Bill Murray character Mm. before he'd refined the act completely, which we saw literally a year later in Ghostbusters. Uh, a few years later, sorry, in Ghostbusters, I was thinking of Police Academy. Um, in my humble opinion, this is not top tier, Murray. Yeah, I mean, but he's playing this guy in Meatballs as well, a couple of years before. Like, it, it, they're still variations on a theme, aren't they? Mm. Um, by the way, do you ever watch Community? Yes. He's Jeff Winger and that. This guy's John Winger here. I feel like that <laughs> must be a little homage, mustn't it? Because yeah, they're not dis- they're yeah. not dissimilar. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um but he, yeah, he doesn't. I tell you, the trouble maybe is I think it's the same guy, but he doesn't seem like a good person here. No, although I guess he doesn't seem like a good person in Ghostbusters at the beginning either. So I don't know why I'm saying that. Well, as we go through this, I'll point out a couple of those moments. But yeah, I mean, I will say this. Obviously, I, I've come to this after I'd seen Ghostbusters. So perhaps mm. wrongly, I'm judging this against a much more refined version of the same character as Venkman. And, and that's not right. But yeah, uh, then we get uh, Russell, uh, Ramis's character. Um, I think one of the problems with both John and Russell and a lot of the other recruits when we meet them is that their characters just are quite ill-defined in so much as I genuinely believe that the dialogue, bar a couple of characters, could be completely interchanged between John, between Russell, between John Candy's ox. Like, none of them are... The dialogue isn't specific to that character. It's just jokes. Mm. 
Well, it's interesting that it was written for two other actors who are nothing like these actors. Mm. So they're switching a lot round and giving a bunch of those lines to judge Reinhold's character. And maybe that's why it's a bit all over the place. But yeah, you, you meet Russell and he's, he's teaching foreign people to swear. And it's basically a sequence that's like, have you ever seen any of that? racist 70s sitcom Mind Your Language that always comes up when people talking racism in England yeah it's just it's the worst thing ever and it's just it's such a lazy joke isn't it to have foreign people shouting out swear words well the the biggest joke is because I can't pronounce any of your names Mm. that's that's the that's the big laugh in that sequence and then obviously them saying swear words I just think you've got look you've got a couple you've got uh, John Deal who plays the stupid cruiser and Comrade Dunn who plays the psycho psycho who arrive in a little bit but those are defined characters mm-hmm. but aside from that there's nothing else and I think Police Academy does this a lot better because you just get it in a broad comedy you're like that person does that high towers strong and tall hooks speaks quietly and then loudly and and I'm getting that I get that here I'm just like these are just a bunch of blokes yeah these are just normal people <laughs> Right, but in a broad comedy like this, I think you need more defined characters. Sure. But we'll talk about it more. Uh, so, Murray has an awful customer played by an actress called Fran Ryan in his cab. Um, this is a real sidebar, Chris, so bear with me. Mm. Interesting. Um, Fran Ryan's first two husbands both died a year apart in plane crashes. <laughs> Like, one died in 1951 and the other died in 1953. He was called Howard Schaefer. And he... Um, did, did she survive both those plane crashes? She wasn't in them. Okay, I was thinking, this is unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be great. But uh, no, here, listen to this. The uh, the wreckage of Howard's plane was not discovered until 15 years later in 1968. The remains of Howard and his passengers were never found. All that was found at the crash site was a woman's shoe, four combs and a pair of glasses. Also quite, also quite tragic. Yeah, or bears, pumas. I mean, or pumas if you're American. Um, yeah, could have been anything. What, bear would want. Why wouldn't a bear want to comb? True, actually, of all the animals, you eat the food, comb your, comb your food. A bear is more in need of a comb than a human. I f- I'm, I'm feel bad for this lady. Are you suggesting that perhaps that that the deaths were as a result of them not giving up the combs quickly enough to a bear? <laughs> yeah, or that shoe. I will leave. Just give me the comb. And they're like, we really love these combs. It's like, but I'm going to eat you unless you give me the fucking comb. It's like, I'm so, I'm really attached. It's oh, done. Yeah, game over. Grizzly man. Murray's had enough. Uh, it looks like he's going to jump off a bridge at one moment, but he doesn't. He just throws his keys into the river. I, I think he could have jumped perfectly, to be perfectly honest. Mm. I think it would have been effective, uh, you know, as a man at the end of his tether. Um because One died. No, 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 no. He'd, he'd, he'd have survived. So, first of all, we go to his house. We know it's an 80s comedy because his girlfriend's half naked because yeah. it's the 80s. Um, she's leaving him because he's going nowhere. Uh, it's a funny line I said at the start. You can't go all our plants will die. It's funny. This whole setup of Murray's character, however, I don't think works because he's Bill Murray and because... He's got that I don't give a fuck attitude. Mm. Like he plays everything sort of like whatever, I don't mind. Where really what you want at this point in the movie is a man who is broken. You want a dramatic scene here with a few gags based on like him being absolutely destroyed. But it's Murray and he just sort of like, it's like whatever. Well, we've got our everything is lost moment 10 minutes in for this character. Yeah, like um, Will Ferrell in Elf when he walks down the bridge. Yeah, and and Reitman Reitman says that Bill finds it very hard to be sincere. He certainly did then because his, his personality was standing outside of his character and almost commenting on what's happening with this sort of detached, ironic, self-aware style. And so in this scene, that's what he's doing. Exactly. And then he's got to be sincere when she's leaving him. And I agree with you. It's a it's a bit of an awkward, they're awkward bedfellows for him to make that switch. And he's never done it. Uh, to my to my mind, uh, I mean, I haven't seen some later Bill Murray films, but in this period, you look at Scrooge, you look at Ghostbusters. Now, Ghostbusters, and I will stop talk, going on about Ghostbusters, but he's brilliant in it because he is not required to do any heavy lifting dramatically mm. or romantically. Like the whole relationship with Dana Barrett, 
works because she's just pissed off with him and she mm. does dramatic heavy lifting and he can just do Bill Murray. So that film sort of saw what he does well and what he can't do and, and only gave him what he can do. Whereas this, he's sort of, you know, you, you just want to invest more emotionally in this man's breakdown and you don't. Uh, I uh, wanted to listen to the director's commentary for this, so I bought the DVD, and it's it, all I had was the extended cut, okay, which you, is over two hours. You watched that one, did you? I did. It's right. over two hours. Um, this scene in his apartment with his girlfriend and then with his friend, it goes on for about 15 minutes. Wow. It's way too long, and they talk about it on the commentary, the fact that, that you know they did cut it for a reason. But they were saying, you've got to remember, we were much closer to the Vietnam War at this time and so trying to convince an audience that intelligent young men would join up to the army now mm. was really difficult and he said we just we found ourselves over explaining and over explaining that makes sense yeah yeah I mean I don't know there was a part of me that if I was in 1981 the likability of Ramis and Murray in these roles I might have watched this I can see why the army liked it I might have watched this and gone I feel a bit lost these guys look like they're about to have the best time in the world I'd probably sign up Mm. and then get a shock so oh my only other example I was trying to find an example of what I'm talking about where you actually feel for the character but it's still funny and the only one I could think of because I didn't put a lot of time into it is Eurotrip Eurotrip at the start of Eurotrip where Scott basically goes through a similar thing where he's like his, his girlfriend gets off with Matt Damon and they sing a song in front of all his friends about how they've been having an affair and you really feel for Scott in that moment and that's what I want you can still do it funny but Bill Murray can't uh, which is a weird sentence to say so we're almost 10 minutes in I'm going to be honest I haven't laughed Mm. Not once. Mm. I do laugh now, though, and uh, this is maybe a me thing because you know I do love my stupid slapstick. Mm. Uh, The basketball in and out the window is actually hilarious. Funny. It's really funny. (laughs) It's really funny. It's set up and payoff, uh, except you're not expecting the payoff to happen as it does. Yeah. So it's funny. It's quite accurate, that throw, getting that basketball out of that window, because it's at the end of a long scene. Yeah. Uh, And the smash is funny, and then for it to cut. Yeah, it's, it's... it's perfect. It's great. It's such a good gag because, because I always think I, I know what I know what's going to happen in a gag, and I did not foresee it coming back through a different pane of glass. Brilliant gag. So they join the army. And- yeah, and I will say that in that original script, it was forty pages before they joined the army, <laughs> which could have been forty minutes. And and um, Reitman, when he was working on it and, and watching it in the edit, he just kept saying, "Let's get them in the army sooner. Let's get them in the army sooner." And he he said, oh, "He's passed away now." But right up until he passed away, when he was still making movies, that was what they would say when they were writing their scripts: "Was let's get them in the army sooner. Let's get them to the action sooner." Who's passed away? Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Really? When? Um, about six months ago. Oh my god! I didn't know. Yeah. I interviewed him for Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's a shock. Mm. Oh, my God. Wow. I had no idea. I I wish I'd known that because now I'm like, holy shit. Um, okay. Right. Uh, so uh, let's get back to this movie directed uh, by Ivan Reitman. Uh, the recruitment interview raises uh, a few giggles. Um, uh, you know, it's... It's of its time, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first of the sort of gay panic jokes in both of these films because yeah. they ask if they're homosexuals and they say flaming, which is not great. Yeah. If they just cut that, though, where where um, uh, Ramis says we're willing to learn, that's a funny, <laughs> that's joke. A funny joke. That can stay in. Mm. But I think that what's interesting about that is I guess... That's maybe what happened at the time with recruitment because you weren't allowed to be gay oh, in the yes. army, and so they're making a, a they're making an important point here. Yeah, of what a, what an insane thing it is. It's just a shame that they have to sort of button it with a with a with a poor joke. Mm. And then it's finally time to meet the rest of this comedy ensemble. So uh, we've got uh, the legend that was John Candy as Ox. Uh, we have our female characters, uh, Sean Young and PJ Souls as Louise and Stella. Um, PJ Souls said uh, about uh, being in this movie um, that uh, Kim Basinger uh, had agreed to play the role of Stella at one point, but was asking for $200,000 and the studio couldn't afford it. Um and PJ Souls had been in, at this point, she'd been in Halloween, Carrie, and of course, Private Benjamin, the costume of which she used for this. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the other reason that PJ Souls wanted to do it uh, was because there were a couple of scenes uh, which were just about 
Louise and Stella just hanging out, just the two of them. And uh, Reitman basically said to, uh, to them because they filmed the scene. She was like, "Yeah, we're going to cut that. We're going to cut those scenes uh, because we're making it all about the guys." Ah, oh, that's a shame. So the scenes that she signed up for didn't make it into the movie. We've got Judge Reinhold. You mentioned uh, he was given the best of the Cheech and Chong script uh, for his character, Elmo. Um, Makes me glad we never saw the Cheech and Chong movie because he's barely in it. I mean, the bit where he's like, I want you to hold something for me to Ramis. That's kind of funny. But Bill Paxton's in here as uh, soldier number eight. And I could not for the life of me find him. Me neither. Um, Candy gets the best entrance. When he's getting on the bus, excuse me, stewardess, is there a movie on this flight? There, there is in that, that ten seconds the legend that mm. John Candy was going to become. Mm. He's so good, so good in this movie, and a man who I was watching this and thinking it's such a shame that uh, you know I would have loved to have interviewed John Candy at mm. some point. Yeah, everyone, everyone who met him liked him. Mm. He's playing a slightly crueler character than we're used to from him. I think this is before everyone realised you just get, you know, he kills the audience with kindness. Yeah, and maybe it's because I just know John Candy in those roles more than this that I forgive the bit where he's ripping off Cruiser playing mm. poker. It's also one of the funniest scenes in the film, so Brilliant. it's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Every scene that Candy's in is great. Yeah. Mud wrestling we'll talk about. But um, here, I think... Um, the film gets a bit confused because we've got John Larroquette as Captain Stillman and Warren Oates as Drill Sergeant Hulker. So hear me out. This is what I think it should be. I'm kind of doing a change now, but screw it. Fine. Um, Stillman should be the main villain and we should have more of him and less of Hulker. Or Stillman should inhabit the more Commandant Lassard kind of role as posh and away with the fairies and then make Hulker a Captain Harris main villain because Hulk is sort of like a villain they're not and it's a bit sort of like okay and then Hulk feels like he's from the real world Hulk is he is there's not much humour to him he seemed like a real sergeant and Warren Oates who's a brilliant actor is playing the reality of all his moments and so you've got this incredibly broad comedy and then this character that feels like he's come from a different film. So I agree with you there. I mean, there are dramatic moments in this film and it's a, it's a bit odd. I mean, there's a dramatic moment in Police Academy that feels odd. And I don't know, they feel like outliers, those moments. And so I agree with you, like Captain Stillman, I think it's very funny. He trips here for real. He turns around and says, have that removed. That was an ad lib. Oh, really? It feels very Alan, <laughs> it's very Alan Partridge. He's great. And yet the disappointing thing is he barely spends any time with the recruits and especially any time with John and Russell and you really want him to be their yeah. antagonist. Yeah, because he's strutting round. I think they said he's strutting round like a lumbering peacock is how they described <laughs> him on the commentary and I agree with you. He spends all his time in his office and some of that stuff's funny, some of it isn't, but he's playing it funny yeah. and so I agree I agree with you. I think he needs to be our villain and because because that's the trouble. I'm on Hulker's side for too much of this film. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. I don't I, think. The dramatic moment that you talk about where they're in the toilet and mm. Hulker says to uh, Murray, um, John, he's like, punch me. And, uh, you know, it's. I mean, you know, I, I was saying earlier, Murray doesn't do drama. He does it very well mm. in that scene. It's, it hints at what's to come for him mm. as an actor. Uh, <laughs> they all get buzz cuts apart from uh, Ramis and Murray because they, they, they didn't want them they just didn't want them that's bang out of order um, <laughs> us baldies need more representation in film especially at this at this phase and, and so the two heroes why why because they're, the, they're the stars ridiculous they're the it's stars ridiculous. and they were like I'm, I'm absolutely not doing that. They had to cut a, cut a bunch of lines from this uh, sequence of sort of induction getting measured up montage because uh, Private Benjamin came out while they were shooting and so many of the lines they had were in Private Benjamin in really? the sequence. <laughs> um, we get a great Murray riff. There aren't as many as I'd like in this, but one of the ones that I absolutely love is the bit where they're sitting around uh, sort of meeting each other and Hulk is there and he turns to the redneck next to him and he goes, <laughs> he says, Lee Harvey, when you stole that cow and your friends tried to make it with the cow, man, I want to party with you guys. <laughs> so... Good. Yeah, the story goes that that, that wasn't working and so Murray uh, got all the actors to come to his trailer and they rewrote it on the spot just oh, really? together and came back out and it was, you know, a bit of ad lib, a bit of stuff that they just figured out on the spot and... Um, yeah, it's a good it's a it's a good way of introducing everyone. I mean, it's sort of, but they're barely in it. It's like this again, you know, you're invested. Um, uh, 
this is going up against Police Academy. And in Police Academy, you are invested in the different arcs of those characters. I'm making Police Academy sound like a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. I know. But, but genuinely, you are. It's like, I don't really know what Cruiser is, who Ox is, you know, Psycho's yeah. belly in it. Like, they don't have arcs. And everyone in Police Academy has an arc. No matter how stupid, they do have an arc. Whereas here, they're just sort of like background players to, you know, John and um, Russell. I, I did get a little bit annoyed and then corrected myself because uh, when they're singing Do Wa Diddy as the marching song, I was like, Ugh, could you not come up with something funny? That's already a marching song. This movie made it a marching song. Ah. The army adopted Do Wa Diddy when they're marching, having seen Stripes. Funny. So that's where that genesis was. Deleted scene happens around here. Is it if you, if you're going to do the one because I, I watched it. On okay, you've, I didn't know if you'd watched it. Great, but yeah, no, I, I'd I'd love you to tell me about it because I want to see. I didn't know where to put it because I watched the theatrical cut because I only have so many hours in the day. No, that's the funny thing, and they said they didn't know where to put it. That was an issue because it could have gone anywhere because it's so self-contained. Mm. Uh, they put it just after the training montage, um, uh, where sort of they, they've done. They're doing the press ups and the night maneuver, and Russell gets shots in the, shot in the eye. And then the next scene is Russell boarding a flight, having taken lots of acid. <laughs> um, it's so good. <laughs> they accidentally end up on a mission. They jump out of the plane. They get lost in the jungle. They're captured by gorillas. They're given something Colombian to smoke. They're offered. They offer acid in return. Uh, the, the gorillas pull guns on them, and then Murray sings "Quando, Quando, 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 Quando." From uh, from the Magic Tones and the Blues Brothers is how I know it. Right, and they make their escape uh, as the gorillas are partying, and they get on the plane and come home. And so, it's very obviously carried over from the Cheech and Chong script. <laughs> it's good though. It's funny, and it's it looks. Like it, it takes them away from the barracks. It adds a little bit of something else, a little bit of depth to the movie, a little bit of an alternative scenario to put our heroes in. Yeah, uh, the studio thought it was the best scene. I think it's the best uh, scene. And they took it out because they thought it was too long and they thought it was too great a distraction. What I would have done is make that the beginning of the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, they they it's so convoluted how they end up with this climax. It's such a mess yeah. that this could have been your way into that. Yeah, if you're talking about the moment where they go, let's just borrow the RV. Uh, Ivan Reitman says oh, on record that was um that was the that was the laziest bit of script we actually had. Mm. It's such a cheat to have them go, why don't we just borrow this vehicle to get into the climax? Mm. So, yeah, I love that scene. Um we'll talk more uh, about stripes right after this break. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Okay, and we are back. Uh, so, yeah, it makes sense that that scene would have been here because there's a moment where we're back in the barracks and Hulker is like, apparently some cadets took uh, the weekend off the base. And that's mm, the scene. Exactly. Uh, but that's still in it. Um, so we get them doing some training. Uh, Warren Oates lost his shit with Ivan Reitman during this because Ivan Reitman told everyone to drag him without him knowing through the mud and he chipped his tooth and he was bloody livid and said, you're just going to have to film me from the other side of my head until they convinced him to get it fixed. So Warren Oates' Sergeant Hulker dies after a mortar hits him mm. and... He was, the character was meant to die in the original script, only to be replaced at the end by Hulker's twin brother. Yeah. I think it was a very good decision to, A, not have him die, because that's pretty dark, and B, to keep him in it because he was good. It would have been weird to yeah. have a new character. And they say that brother. on the commentary. They said it was A, too convoluted, but B, we'd set up a really strong character. Yeah. And so to have to change it, it was just a stupid idea. Apparently everyone loved him, uh, Warren Oates. Uh, Bill Murray was a, just a huge fan and he used to tell loads of stories from the Hollywood Western era mm. that he was a big part of. And uh, yeah, they uh, Reitman even said uh, Bill Murray was in awe of him. His presence on set inspired all the other actors. Sadly, he passed away only a year after this movie was oh. made. Right. Mud wrestling. Mm. Um, I like the fact, I found out that John Candy felt pretty awkward doing this, yeah. which kind of makes me love John Candy even yeah, more. Yeah, they said he didn't want to do it. I mean, he was embarrassed about his body all the way through his life, mm. which is sad when you think about how in every single film it was used as a, as a joke. Mm. But um, yeah, he didn't want to do it, but they said then when he, he did agree to do it, then he was totally and completely committed. Mm. And he does go for it full throttle. They said he doesn't do anything halfway. But I mean, on that commentary, um, Reitman says it, watching it now, it feels cheap. It was a bit embarrassing shooting it. So um, yeah, although PJ Soul says that she went down to watch it because she didn't like these women moving into her and Sean Young's territory. <laughs> she also <laughs> says that uh, uh, that day no one spoke to her. All the other cast, <laughs> no one spoke to her. Uh, I mean, it's very gratuitous. It's coming hot off. Um, we've 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 had Stillman watching girls showering. Um, yeah, from his that, yeah. from his office, which is which is even worse. Um, that scene, and it, it's they they put the shower scene in because there's a shower scene in Animal House. But the point is, in Animal House, it's connected with a joke. Mm. It's still gratuitous, but there's a joke there. With that, it's just a bloke being a sleaze, and here it's us being sleazy. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because I, you're right. I totally uh, skipped over that shower scene because there's a famous line where he goes, "I wish I was a loofah," mm. and uh, that was an ad lib. And Ivan Reitman asked him afterwards. He was like, "That's great. What's a loofah?" And um, but Police Academy somehow like this is still better positioned morally than Police Academy because here Stillman is a villain and a, a, an awful person and he's our bad guy. In Police Academy, it's Mahoney. No, I've, I've, got, I've got a way to, to sort that. All right, good. Okay, good. I'll look forward to that on Thursday. It's taken some imaginative, imaginative thinking from me, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... But this is probably the scene I would have liked best when I was eight. The mud wrestling. Yeah, it's... Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? So uh, just to sort of fathom out why this is in this movie and why indeed a lot of nudity was in 80s comedies, because you just don't see it anymore, is because there was only PG and R like as two rating systems. Mm. So if you're making uh, a comedy, there was no PG-13 at this point. If you're making uh, a comedy, you're probably going to have adult themes in there, drug use, uh, you know, uh, foul language. And so you're immediately getting an R. So why not then just sort of go, well, if, yeah. that's, if that's who's going to be seeing this movie, let's put in a bit of nudity. And, and that's the thing with Police Academy. The sleaze kept coming in and out of that script mm. until they released the film. And then you watch with the Police Academies. They became less sleazy as they went along and started getting their PGs. But here, I mean, and part of the problem was they said they didn't know how to get out of the scene. And so I think a good end for the scene is those women kicking the crap out of Ox. Yeah. But as it is, it ends with him pulling off all their bras, yep. which is just... It's bad, isn't it? Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, that's your fucking payoff after yeah. this? Right it's up. like they lose all their bras and are embarrassed more than already doing this scene? Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, uh, what also doesn't work is our next scene where Stella and Louise, uh, having been provided no evidence of this, decide that John and Russell are the men for them. They are, they are in love. <laughs> in love! 
love. They actually, they're not even like, oh, go on then, let's have a quickie. Like, Stella actually says to John, I love you. It's um, it's mad. <laughs> it's mad. Uh, Reitman said they for that scene in the kitchen, they just filled the fridge with stuff and let Bill Murray do what he wanted. Yeah, because they were meant. It was meant to be a scene shot outside. Uh, it's a great interview with PJ Souls from uh, just last year, and she says it was pouring with rain, and so we walked into the house, and Bill opened the refrigerator and just uh, took out a carrot, and I said, "What are you going to do with that?" And Ivan Reitman was like, fucking hell, this is gold. Let's just do this. And so they do that scene. Um, And, you know, it's obviously Bill Murray improvising and she's quite good in it. She's good in it. Yeah, it's it's not very funny. No. I mean, I've I've read that it's really funny. People love this film. This is this was such a hit. This is such a cult film. This is so beloved. And I'm I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it when I'm watching it. I'm not either. And I'm thinking, well, did I, was I the wrong age? If I'd been 13, 14, would I have loved this film when it came out? But I, I don't know. I mean, and that's that's probably a huge factor yeah. in this because I, I watched it properly for the first time this week. And so nostalgia, mm. she's absent in, in, in this equation. Nostalgia, so for me, which could be an issue for us on Thursday. I think it might be. <laughs> I really didn't get my. Never spoken about this yet. My fear it might be. Guess what? I've been listening to all the way here on Spotify. I've been listening to the Police Academy theme. Oh, Alex! I feel like they played it enough times in the film. I got dead films. I don't need to hear that song for again for a while. Oh, anyway, weirdly, it's not Thursday. Weirdly, that comes into my change on Thursday. On Thursday. Uh, so. Uh, I'll read this because PJ Souls is very honest in this interview and it's kind of interesting. She was asked, was Bill funny? And she said, no, no, he was very, very moody. Harold Ramis, hilarious. John Candy, hilarious. John Larroquette, hilarious. You couldn't stop laughing. Uh, My stomach always hurt from laughing. Uh, But Murray, she said, was quite moody on the... Um, during during filming, but they, they they did still remain friends. It's interesting though. I mean, I think he's a real pro in that. He, Reitman talks about the fact that on films he has a little book and he's sitting on his own and he's writing jokes and he's writing ad libs constantly, and they've got to give him his his space yeah. to do that. And that's why you that's why he's the great comedy actor. He is because it's all about the craft with him. Yep, agreed. And you know, like I said, they stayed friends. Here's my splash story. Um. So PJ Souls uh, said that uh, Brian Grazer, uh, who uh, at this point was still a, a young kid sort of uh, running around Burbank Studios, came up to her and went, I've just seen the scene that you don't like that loads of people love, the kitchen scene with you and Bill. And I've got this script for Splash and I, I want to give it to you because I think you and Bill Murray would be absolutely brilliant as the leads in Splash. And so she takes it and goes to a restaurant with Bill Murray and they're sitting there and she gives him the script and goes, listen, I've been given this. Will you read it? And he goes, is it a comedy? And she goes, yes. And he throws it across the restaurant and goes, I'm not doing comedy anymore. I'm doing serious acting now. Wow. And then he made Razor's Edge. And then Tom Hanks picks up the script. (laughs) Tom Hanks was in a booth across the restaurant. It landed on his plate. He's sitting with Daryl Hannah and the rest is history. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, but in a different world, Bill Murray and PJ Souls in Splash. Mm. I can see it. You'll find out who else wanted Splash on Thursday. Great. I think you could probably guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, the, the bit, only, only Gene Hackman and the man you're talking about made more films between 1980 and 1990 in America. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, um, then we've got uh, the graduation. Mm. Um, Murray's a, a big speech and, and then they do the routine. Do you know why I like this? Because it looks like time and effort was put into it. And by this point mm. in this movie, I'm like, everything feels so slapdash. Yeah. And improv is it's one thing, but the whole thing just feels a little like, we're just sort of, we're on doing it on the fly here. This looks like they've choreographed something, they've come up with something, and it's a, it's a no, it's an actual button to a, yeah. like act two. And they brought a Broadway guy in to do it. Um, these actors did not want to do it, but they spent three weeks training apart from Bill Murray. He didn't show up to rehearsals and he showed up and he could do it. Um, and yeah, it, there's something satisfying about watching a bunch of no hopers pull together. Yeah. It's, it, it's you know, it's well-worn trope, but it works. It's got charm and it makes, you know, it, 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 it creates that feeling in you that you want from these movies that uh, the masterpiece that is Police Academy does in spades, which is that you just basically, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. It balances all the sort of like gratuitous stuff and the, you know, the nastiness and like the evil characters and the sleaze, balances all that with these moments of like, ah, oh, 
this is why I'm watching it. Yeah, but I, I uh, have not been in the army. I was in the CCF at school, the Combined Cadet Forces, where sort of real soldiers did come in and train you and treat you like it would be like in the army and it was horrible i hated it but what i do know is that if you show up late and take the piss while you're doing <laughs> your march you don't get sent to italy on a mission <laughs> yeah but that's the... not how the army works <laughs> it's literally the opposite if your if your uniform isn't fine you're not doing the steps and you're not on time you're fucking out Sorry. Hate to undermine the logic of the film. Exactly the same in Cub Scouts, which is uh, what I was uh, a member of. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, the Cub Scouts, uh, you know, if if you, if you didn't have your your necker done up uh, with your woggle properly, it was uh, it was considered bad form and um, and you were out. I mean, you weren't. You just got told to do it better, but you could have been out, you know. Were you in the Cub Scouts, Chris? I was. Oh. Uh, I'm trying to imagine you in the CCF, though, being told what to do by some pipsqueak in your year at school because they've been given a badge that you haven't or they've got a uniform that you haven't and you have to do what they say I just would love to see Alex Zane's little face but this is the thing what that does it's interesting because when I was in my six and like the sixer in the six was like you know do this do that I was like no fucking I'm gonna but the minute I became a sixer, I just adopted that insane mentality. So it trains you to behave like that. Mm. Once you're given that little sliver of power, I was suddenly like, all right, dickheads, get your nails out. I want to check it, the clean. The people that wanted to do CCF always seemed to me to be the people that were bullied a bit mm. and didn't have any control over their lives. And then when they got in that position, they could become the bully. And it, it, was, it felt very unhealthy to me. And one of the things I wish I could do is go back to that period of time when the men, the actual soldiers, were coming in and shouting at us and making people cry, I wish I could go back to that moment and tell that bloke to fuck off or one of those blokes <laughs> to fuck off. What are you going to do? You're going to hit me because I was terrified of these people. I was terrified of that day every week when I had to see them. Yeah. And it just makes me feel sick. All the respect for the people that actually went on to join the army because I could never do that. And it's amazing what they achieved. But for me, it was just a really horrible, painful. Maybe that's why I'm not liking stripes. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. I mean, I feel exactly the same as you feel about them, about my PE teachers at school. Oh, really? I was, uh, good. I was good at that. <laughs> see, they, they hated me and I hated them. And they, uh-huh. they were like, oh, look at you. Mental scars, man. Definitely. You know what helps? Therapy. Um, so... Let's get into this final act. The climax yeah. of the movie, they steal the EM-50 urban assault vehicle. As I said, um, Reitman's embarrassed that they borrow the vehicle. He calls it the cheesiest cheat in the movie. They go to Germany. Murray does some of the laziest, like, Americans abroad improv about German money being worthless and calling them Hansel and Gretel. It's it's bad. It's mm. not funny. And it's like just it plays into that trope of like arrogant Americans in a foreign country. Mm. And I don't think he's intentionally doing that. No, I think he's just doing it because he thinks it's funny at that point, because I, I imagine that's, you know, that was the kind of thing that 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 flew in America. Mm. We're better. Yeah. I mean, I think we were making jokes at the expense of the Germans in this period as well. Do you think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he comes a bit across more like a villain more like a frat boy dick like one of the bad guys in Animal House at that point mm. and then we get the climax um, there is to my mind one funny line in this climax which is brilliant which is where John and Stella are pinned down and being shot at by the Russians uh, while Russell is safe in the truck and Murray goes you know who would love this Russell he should be here <laughs> that's funny <laughs> cracked up yeah. it's, like, it's great so yeah. like I said there were glimmers of the Murray we would come to love in this glimmers it's strange though isn't it I mean Reitman said it felt like it's an army movie it should end with a war and so they kind of give us a mini war and it's an action film and, and it's sort of the A-team school of action where no one dies. You know, people yeah. just sort of fly through the air and, yeah. and, and don't seem to get shot. But it's it's strange. It's just, I don't know, it, it, it just feels so disconnected to the rest of the film that, I, I don't know, it doesn't, make, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It just needs, you know, you can have an action sequence like this and still put a few more jokes in it. Um Although the line that Hulker says where he's on top of the RV and he goes, I'm getting too old for oh. this shit. I was like, wow. Shane Black, did you watch Stripes and yeah. go, love that line? Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's... It's pretty specific, isn't it? Even the wording of it. It's, exa- it's exactly <laughs> Danny Glover's wording from Lethal Weapon. It's like yeah. he's borrowed that line. 
And uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. we, we get the end, we get some pretty unfunny headlines, a uh, little bit more um, Stella on Penthouse magazine. Yeah, I get, well, it's the Animal House ending, isn't it? Where you find out what happened to everyone there, but it's a, it's a bit funnier in Animal House. I mean, it's fine here. It's fine here. Again, he said, Reitman said, we did not know how to get out of this movie with a laugh. <laughs> you know, we got them landing and we got this sequence. And so they chucked that stuff in and it, and it did get more of a laugh. Uh, Ox on the front of Tiger Beat's quite funny. Yes, yes. Uh, and it, it means that Stillwell, we can find out that Stillwell's got on comeuppance because he's been... Yeah, he's that's in, true. He's in Alaska. That's true. Um, but w- Winger comes off the plane drunk, though. I could have done with a bit of hammered Bill Murray talking to people at the end here. That might have been your laughing. Well, there were a lot of scenes in this movie where they were actually, actually drunk while filming uh, because John Lennon was shot while they were making this. Mm. And obviously, you know, that had a massive effect on a lot of the cast and they basically took two weeks off two weeks but they carried on filming but mentally they were like we're just going to drink and like uh, John LaRoquette says uh, in one of one of the scenes I think it's when he he storms up to the mode wrestling venue he was he's like I was actually absolutely hammered in that scene well now we you've just found out Ivan Reitman's died we should have a drink for that great um uh, what I do like, though, is that you can see as the credits are rolling that Ox is now in charge of the younger soldiers and he's doing the song with them. And so it sort of moved yeah. on. Which I, quite like, I quite like that. Yeah, even though he was sort of recruited at the same time as John and Russell and suddenly because they stole an RV, they're the heroes and he's still in the unit. Whatever, we're out of the movie. That's it. Any more for any more. Just that um, Reitman on the, I'm, I'm sure this is a story that's well known, but on the commentary, Ivan Reitman talks about the fact that he loved working with John Candy and he wanted him to do Ghostbusters. He wanted him to play Lewis, the Lewis role. <sighs> but Candy wanted to play it as a German guy with lots of dogs. Uh, Reitman said to him, there's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> I just want this character to be relatively straight. And so... Um, Candy refused. He said, no, I'm only doing it if I can be a German with lots of dogs. And so he he picked someone else. He went to Rick Moranis. But the thing that makes me laugh about that is Rick Moranis doesn't exactly play it straight. No. He's not reining it in. Gee. <laughs> Maybe it would have been less weird if it had been a German dude with dogs. <laughs> Weirdly, I can so see John Candy in that role as mm. well. That would have been great. Mm. Oh. Uh, Rick Moranis is great. Though. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Oh, Rick Moranis. We need to do more Rick Moranis movies. Spaceballs. There you go. Uh, scored by the same person who scored Stripes. Very good. Uh, right then. Shall we do the bits? Yeah. So, best scene, Chris. Um, I think the march. I really like the march. If not the march, I like Ox teaching Cruiser how to play poker. I just think it's a good bit of comedy. But I think, as I said, I think it's satisfying watching the march. Yeah, you mean the the bit where they come and do their training really well? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, where they, where they do what... The graduation. did he? The graduation. Yeah, the graduation Sorry. ceremony. Um, I, I was going to pick the basketball through the window, but it seems uh, like not a scene, just a moment. So I'm actually picking the trip to Columbia that was cut from the theatrical version because sure. it's great from start to finish. Sure. Harold Ramis being like high on LSD and when they pretend to be like CIA on the plane, it's just good. It's just no. I love I love a deleted scene getting picked. <laughs> MVW, your most valuable oh. whatever. Ooh, I got a toss up here. I, I read I read doing my research that people think the EM50 is rubbish. I think it's awesome. It reminds me of a transformer. <laughs> um, so it's either the EM50 or um Elmer Bernstein. I do think the score Elmer here is Elmer Bernstein. That's the name yeah, I was looking. I do for. think the score is great. Um, they used the Great Escape as a temp score. They said at the start of the commentary, and I thought well, that's weird. And then when you hear his 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 music, it's like, man, that is that is really good. Great escapey kind of music. So yeah, I think I'm going for the theme tune. All right then, that's interesting. I'm going for John Larroquette, uh, Larroquette uh, as Stillman. Uh, I I just think hands down he's the funniest character. Yeah, and um, which leads into my change, which Ooh. I'll just do now. Um, <laughs> which is that he could have done with being a, a bigger part. So my change is my final section. What would I change about this movie? is don't lose the Columbia section, but do lose Warren Oates as Hulker and install Larroquette as Stillman into that hole. Interesting. My change involves Stillman as well. Okay. I think he should, and, and I thought of this because he was playing with those toy soldiers, I think he should be more like Melchit in Blackadder Goes Forth. Yes! I think he should be this old, stupid guy sending young people to war. I think you can make a really 
important political point there. Uh, you can do put some really fun satire in there. I mean, obviously, Blackadder did it perfectly. But, I mean, I re- they'd risk losing the support of the DOD. Mm. Um, but I think, especially as this film was made, as they said, so near to Viet- Vietnam, yep. I think... I think it's an important story to tell. Yeah, and to follow that through line, then you can keep the um, Hulker character but make him Captain Darling and, you know, have him be the really villainous one who is Mm. on at the recruits while, you know, we have our Melchard Stillman character away with the fairies. Or you could just watch Blackadder Goes Forth. Yeah, (laughs) or you could basically put George Gaines in that role as Commandant Stillman because he's just brilliant. He's good, isn't he? He's great. Come on. Uh, right, then. Uh, that is us done. We're not doing a quiz this week. Please tell me we're not. It'd be weird. No. Great. Uh, so, shall we look ahead to next week? Yes. Great. So you said you've got a clue. I've got a clue. Why okay. did you do a clue as well? I always do a clue, okay. just in case, because I don't trust you two. Wow. Well, I've got a clue. You can listen to my clue, and if you judge it poorly, then you can do your clue. But here's my clue. So, your clue for next week's pairing is this <clears throat> the future's made of <laughs> this useless twisting of our new technology <clears throat> end scene that was uh jk from jamaraquai my quiz uh, my clue was much better than yours what yeah that's a great clue my clue was simply useless twisting of our new technology <gasps> I wasn't going to sing it and I wasn't going to say the title of the song in it. Right. Bit bit subtler. We had the same clue. I just had it better. You did have it better. So much so because I did read that and think that's too easy. So I'm going to beep the name of the song, which is beep. But I'm going to do it properly in that bit. And we'll just have me singing the second bit and then you doing that bit. How's that for an edit? Uh, Fine. Doing it live. Okay. Right, great. There you go. That's done. Brilliant. So that is your clue for next week's pairing. Uh, We'll reveal what movies we are doing next week at the end of Thursday's episode, where we will also declare the winner of This Clash, Stripes versus Police Academy. We are covering Police Academy on Thursday. So until then, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and check in with us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at ClashPod. Speak to you Thursday. Bye-bye, troops. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.